Okay, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 179 with my guest, Mecca Rose DeSelectris. This is uh, Mecca's second time on the podcast. Mecca is a DJ, um, and she is a big advocate of Caribbean culture and music in particular. She goes live on Facebook on a regular basis as Mecca Rose. You should check her out. Uh, this is our second conversation, and we kind of pick up where we left off, and I hope you enjoy it. I always do. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy. This is Mecca Rose. Take care. Bye. Um, Mecca Rose, I'm very grateful that you're you're uh, joining me again. Um, I wish that we had lighter stuff to talk about, um, but I, I have some questions for you, given the, the news of, of what's been going on, um, if you're willing to talk about it. But before that, before we get into the intense stuff, I... I want to know about your snake. Oh, Oogie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw well, you got a big new snake. Yeah, I got a pet snake. It's a ball python. Okay. I'm not going to mess with him right now. I tried to take him out. He hissed at me. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that means leave me alone. So I'm going to leave him right where he is. And so he it's... still is like being social. But yeah, but next time I'll definitely uh, have him. I'll bring him on camera. I was, trying, I was trying to take him out just for this. And he was like, "Okay, it's you tw- gotta be." <laughs> it's twenty twenty. Even your snake is a little bit like, "Listen." Yeah, even he's like, "Leave me alone." So, like, right. so are snakes a common pet? Like you, what, what? Where are? How did you get into snakes? Well, when I was married, me and my husband had a ball python and a boa constrictor, and uh, it, it was cool. I like pets. I like animals. Mm-hmm. I'm I do too. Animal. I love animals too, but I, not that snakes aren't animals. I just I don't think of a snake when I think of an animal I want to have. I want to have in my house, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's just that's just me. I understand it's odd. I just I don't know. You know, I when I when I was married and I had the snakes with my husband, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. They were like super super low maintenance, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I just I just like them. Do they have do they have personalities like you know I, I like dogs I have two dogs and and there's a they have individual personalities and they it seems like they have empathy towards humans or they at least care like they can sense when we're upset like I have I've never been with a snake long enough to to observe that what are they no, like this one he just chills he just if he doesn't want to be picked up he just hisses and he just know to leave him alone <laughs> and I take him out and hold him and have him on my lap whatever and he's just chilling. Awesome. How long do snakes live? How like ball pythons? No, I'm not sure. This one is a baby. He's mm-hmm. um he's maybe about that big. And what do you feed him? Rat pups. Oh really? Oh, do you have to? Where do you buy those? Um, go to the pet store that sells rat pups and get them. So there's a pet store that have that actually have snakes. Mm-hmm. And sell rat pups and yeah. So he since he's a small one, he eats rat pups. It. As he gets bigger, you got to feed him the regular size rats. <laughs> rats, rats are more uh, uh, nutritious for snakes. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they're just a big ball of protein. Yeah, more than more than mice. It's a difference. Like it's like weird, but there's like a difference. Like this, the rats are more nutritious than mice. Yeah, well, I remember when I lived in New York. Uh, when I moved there for the first time, we had mice in our apartment, and I was like, "Oh, this is what this is what a New York mouse oh. is," right? And then you go down in the subway and you're like waiting for the subway and one runs between your feet and you're like, oh, that's not a mouse. That's like a small dog <laughs> that just ran by me. <laughs> yeah. So I heard and I was afraid of that because when I, I, I was in New York a couple of times last month mm-hmm. for like gigs and stuff. 
And I went into the subway just to look because I heard about those big, like, rats that are the size of house cats. Mm-hmm. I wanted nothing to do with it. So I was like, you know, we just look, see what the subway looks like. And then be out. I actually want to experience the subway. I just want to see it. And then I was out. Well, it's after I saw what it looked like, I was good. As a human, you're sort of like those are times when you're aware you're on someone else's territory. Like you're down underground, you're like, oh yeah, this is not where I'm meant to be, and this is where rats are, and I need to respect that on some <laughs> level. Um, well, let me but let me ask you real quick. Um, I've been following your DJ stuff on Facebook uh, Live. You you go live um, on a pretty regular basis, and it's really fun to sort of like you know as a performer, I I see all the same. Like I see similar similarities in the way you're performing, the way you interact with your audience, even though you're by yourself in a room. And um, and you mentioned the other day that there was some you, you've been sort of upset recently that there was a troll that that got on and started doing some stuff. And I'm curious, like I've experienced trolling in a little bit of way just as an as a performer, but um, I'm curious. I don't have the guts to deal with that stuff publicly. So like, because I wuss out when somebody does something like that on like. It doesn't get pretty too bad, but I, I saw you and you just like kind of went hard in the paint on whoever this was and did it publicly. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I had her guts. Like, <laughs> what was happening? And are you like, you want to talk about it or what was going on? Oh, yeah, I definitely talk about it. I'm not going to say his name because then I'll make him. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to out anybody. It just, you know. <laughs> but basically, this is something that I deal with from time to time, especially when, because he's an EDM DJ. Okay. Um, He's from Spain. I think he said he was. Okay. I don't know him. He's not even on my friends list, but he somehow ended up on my live feed mm-hmm. and just decided to just be, uh, can I cuss? Yeah, I don't care. Right. Be, be yourself. Be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a few of those out there. <laughs> yeah, he just came on my feed and decided to be an asshole. And he was really rude and disrespectful, like, oh, maybe you should make me a steak instead. Or oh, yeah. maybe you, okay. get, you get better off in the kitchen. And like, just really, really dis- disrespectful things mm-hmm. like that. And I I didn't want to curse. Like, I started to curse on air, but I said, you know what? I don't know who's listening. I'm going to handle this dude. So I went into his inbox and cussed him out. Mm-hmm. He looked at it, didn't respond. So I said, okay, because I don't like bullies, right? I'm going to handle you. You're not going to come and bully me. I'm mm-hmm. going to handle a bully. I don't turn the other cheek when it comes to a bully. Mm-hmm. So I, I went on his page, and I, I screenshot all his comments, mm-hmm. and I went under each of his pictures, and I post, um, I put such and such is uh, such and such attacks. Uh, what, do you say? what did I put? Such and such likes to attack women. Mm. And I put all his comments under, under each picture. And I just pretty much spammed his whole shit. Like every picture I put, such and such likes to attack women. I put, I put all of his comments. And it did on all, every picture that I could. And <laughs> <laughs> and he he blocked me after that, so I was like success because <laughs> I I wasn't going. And I bet he'll think twice before doing that again to somebody else. And not only that, I had my friends report his page and some of my friends go on his pictures and you know talk shit to him or whatever. Uh-huh. And he didn't respond to anybody. He just blocked us all. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty cool. Dealing- so I wasn't. Gonna, I don't like bullies. You know, there's no reason to be a jerk and not be nice. But, you know. Mm-hmm. That was for no reason. I don't know this guy. Yeah. I don't know who he is. But I I mean, how do you I let, What's that? I couldn't let it slide. Well, but you know, again, I'm I'm asked the question sort of half like it's like I'm I was joking about my admiration for your willingness to just dive into that. Like I'm terrified of, cause I don't know who this other person is. Like if somebody says something 
negative towards me, like how to deal with bullies. I had bullies growing up when I was in high school and like it was more physical bullying. There was never, I, my, my physical bullying was like mostly like people pushing me in the hallway on the way to class and like cornering me and punching me and like just trying to, cause I was never a fighter. Like I never, my dad was like, he, he had his nose broken like three times and like oh, never, wow. like he was a, he was always just like, you got to punch him right in the nose. I'm like, dad, I just, I'm, I play steel drums. Like I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I just, like, it just was not a thing. Um, but I think that's carried on to my adult life. I'm now 41. And the minute somebody like you could have 300 positive comments and there's one person who's like, well, I don't know that you have the authority to do that. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. and I, I just crumble in insecurity. And I just want to say, I'm going to, I'm inspired by you and I'm going to try to be better at just bopping online trolls on the nose and being like, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes from, I'm, I'm short. Okay. I'm a small lady and I got, People tried to bully me growing up mm-hmm. all the time, but I have my dad. He's really tough. He's um, he's now a tenth degree black belt in Okinawa Shorei Ryu Karate. And Wait, say that one more time, way slower, so I can <laughs> keep up. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, now uh, he's a tenth degree black belt Whoa. at Okinawa Shorei Ryu. It's a type of karate. Okay. And so growing up, he was a sensei, and and you know he made us do karate i was in tournaments and i was fighting all the time and he would do the, he would do demonstrations and he would um break these big cinder blocks uh-huh. you know the ones they build with buildings but he would break them with his head uh-huh. but it was like a tap and it would just fall apart like it was weird and but then he would have me kick bricks in half so growing up no people didn't really know i knew how to fight because i was very quiet about it but they tried to bully me uh-huh. And I wasn't one with words to go back and forth, but I would fight, like fist fight a lot because people, I'm, I'm short. I look like an easy target. They just didn't know I could fight. So I, I was, I dealt with bullies a lot growing up. My my response as a kid was always to fist fight mm-hmm. because it was usually physical. So it always ended in fist fights. And as an adult, I don't like jail. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've never been in jail, mm-hmm. never want to see in jail. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, I understand I got too much to lose. Yeah, yeah. And no, no. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to go to jail. So I'm learning to use my words to tear mm. people down instead of fist fighting because that's not okay for someone my age. I'll be, I'll be 37 next week and I can't be fist fighting. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I got so much great things going on for myself. I don't have a police record you know, or anything like that. So, yeah. and I'm not going to start now at 37 years old. Right. So uh, as, as an adult, I had to learn how to use my words and get creative and think, you know, how to think, okay, take a step back. Okay. Think how you're going to handle this. Well, and then handle it that way. At least now you, you know, you, you're getting, you know, you say that you're getting more comfortable using your words, but at least you can still fight if you need to. I am, oh, I've, so I've only gotten better at using my words. And it's like, I feel like we're entering into this new era in America where we're like, we're going to have to like physical violence is always a threat. And I'm just sort of like, well, I never, I never figured that out. So I'm going to hide in my room and just be like, can't, can't we all just talk? <laughs> so. Yeah. And you know what? And physical violence is getting more to be like a reality. And I don't, want to have to fight yeah but i will and i don't want it to be that i'd rather avoid violence i spent so much of my childhood fighting i don't want to fight i'd rather just be peaceful but people push you what and then you you can you can't let them or they'll keep pushing 
until I, you push back. I forgot so you. I forgot you were you had Japanese descent as well, and that like yeah. and um just you know what little I know about martial arts. I've I've only taken three jujitsu classes, but I follow fighting like the UFC and mixed martial arts pretty closely. Um, and they none of them are violent people. I mean, there's a few exceptions that pop out, but there's like 500 people on the roster, and I know a lot of them. I follow a lot of them. First of all, all the women are like five foot two. Um, and they're total murderers. Um, but they're like, but the violence is like, it is the tool that you use thoughtfully and you use it actually less yeah. than any other tool in your arsenal as a person. And that's and what I've gleaned from know, it. When you know you can kick someone's ass, you're like, you know what? Just leave me alone. I'll fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And you try to give them the people that space to leave you alone. And then you do it. You fight as a last resort, but you don't want to have to do it. Especially in this age, everybody's pulling out their phone. You know, that's evidence. Like, don't want people recording me beating somebody up. Like, no. So when you know how to fight, you're less likely to. And that's the other thing with with martial arts. Martial arts teach you patience patience and Mm -hmm. how to avoid and use violence as a last resort. So that's the thing about martial arts. But um, I'd rather not fight. I just I'd rather find another way and Mm -hmm. I'll fight if I'm back against the corner. You know, yeah. I'm putting it there, so. Well, let me ask you, I mean, the, I was trying to sort of think of like, you know, where we left off. It feels like we talked like nine years ago. And even though it was like within this last six months, we spoke and, um, yeah. but so much has happened so much. There's so much stuff. I feel like every day is a, is a month. And in terms of the fire, like you're drinking out of a fire hose with the news and like you get upset about one thing and then there's another shooting then there's another shooting and then a Supreme court justice dies. And then you're fighting in the politics about some precedent that the Republicans are not breaking. And then Breonna Taylor's thing comes out about, yes, there was one of everybody says one officer's indicted. I read that and I'm like, okay, at least there's something. And then you read it's only because the neighbor was, put in danger by what happened. And it's like the neighbor's wall got more justice than, so I. Exactly. So that the officer was charged for the bullets that missed her. Right. And when you put it in perspective, that's what it is. And it's really fucked up. Like you took a person's life. Like that green death is final. Can't get that back. And the officer was charged for the bullets that missed her. It's, it's a weird moment. I mean, I, I, I understand. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't <laughs> I don't have a question other than like, Mecca, where do you want to pick up here? I mean, I've been thinking about you personally a lot. That's why I've been texting you everyone. Like, I don't want anybody. I don't ever don't want anybody, especially somebody I'm getting to know like you. Like, I'd far prefer us talk about Nintendo games for four months if that was a better way to build a trust with each other. But I also, you know, you have a valuable opinion. You have insight into this very particular issue that this country's dealing with and you have insight that I could never have and I feel like in general I'm terrified to ask anybody about anything unless I know them and I know you and so I want to ask you because I know I can say something stupid or off base or ignorant and I would hope that you're not going to throw your snake through the zoom screen at me um (laughs) but you know like I said I we can have this conversation and it can take five years to get to anything real I don't care my my point is I want to ask you sort of like where your head where what have been your reactions to let's I mean because I know your brother was was killed by cops in in an unfortunate accident um that 
you know, I, I wasn't there, but just from what you told me was just pure chaos. And now I'm seeing this other family and I'm imagining to, for myself what, how I would feel if that somebody broke in my, kicked in my door mistakenly and X, Y, and Z chaos ensued. So like, where's your head been with this stuff? I'm so numb. Like I don't even, you, you get so used to it. It's, it's, you, you don't know how to react anymore. I'm not surprised. If if they if she would have got a fair trial, that would have surprised me. It's just my my head right now is just like, when does this end? Where does this stop? When do people not like this? We're human beings. We're people. You, when they killed Breonna Taylor, they didn't just take a life; they destroyed a family. And and the and. The fact that these plainclothes officers were able to kick in this man's door. The man shot back, right? And what I read, he said he shot back. But if somebody kicks in your door in plain clothes, would you not shoot back? I'd shoot back. I'd be shoot. So it's like they were sleeping, the correct? Like they weren't just they weren't up watching a movie and completely like cognizant of their environment. You're asleep, right? And I think I read some that somewhere that it was actually in the thing the wrong house. Which was which was the wrong house? That the no knock, the no knock. Yeah, I think the no knock warrant was like they had mistaken. They got the wrong address, and yeah, it was the wrong address. If I remember what I read correctly, mm-hmm. and and that they could do that and, and kill an innocent person. What did she do to deserve that? Like it's it's crazy. Like I just I don't even. I'm not surprised. It's just crazy to me that with so much evidence against those officers that they still got off. And it kind of sends a a message to the officers like, hey, you guys can do whatever. Kill as many black people as you want to wherever you're going to you'll be fine. And I was talking to a police officer the other day at my job and he's like, oh, we're afraid to do anything. We're afraid to do anything. No, I'm like, you don't have to be afraid to do anything. Just don't kill us. Like, was the, was the cop black or white? He was white. He was blonde white. hair, okay. blue eyes. Okay. Yeah. And what was what was the contact? Like, how did, were you just in passing with him or you were at work? Well, or? No, people, you know, I work in a, in a public space and people have to um, cover their, like the CDC, well, the code enforcement is forcing us to make people cover up, mm-hmm. you know, wear a mask when they come into the building. And we had gotten a fine because people were refusing. And I was irritated. And, I'm, and the officers, I'm like, hey, can you help us out? Like, we just got a fine. I don't want my job to close. Help us out, please. And then he's like, oh, he's, he's like ranting, whatever. And then he, he mentions, oh, we're afraid. We're, cops are afraid to do anything now. We're afraid to do anything now. And that's how that, that came up. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe just don't kill us. How about that? Like, you don't have to be afraid to do anything. Just don't kill us. I don't understand how hard that is to just not kill us like it's just I, I don't I don't understand the lack of humility mm-hmm. like there's no humility there and for him to say that it kind of sounds like well if I can't kill you then why am I going to do anything at all right. to me you know like what's the point if I can't kill you that's what it sounds like to me well this is the thing I like I I'm I'm 
Well, let me, I mean, again, like I have thoughts and opinions and none of them are fully completely formed yet. So like, I, I don't, I would just be saying something that I'm making up right now, but like, I, I just want to keep asking questions. Like what we just talked about, like violence is like, I'm, I'm with you on that's the the last resort as if at all possible with, with society, like what do you feel are some of the, like, let's say this answer is going to take, it took us 400 years to get here. It's going to take us another 400 years to get out of it. And I'm not going to be here to see any see the the end result. Neither will you, um, right. and neither will your grandkids or their grandkids. You know, this is going to be. Let's let's say like this is not a solution that any of us are going to see in our lifetime. Let's just maybe swallow that pill. That's that for me. Quite frankly, that's the thing I'm having. That's what keeps my inaction, my inability to deal with the problem, is when I feel like I don't know when the where the problem is or not uh just are we talking about a six-year problem or are we talking about something that i need to get done by 9 p.m like those are two those two different mindsets for me this one i i I feel like everybody wants the answer to be by 9 p.m but we're if i think it's going to be 9 p.m 400 years from now so i'm like between you and me like what do we do what's the step that needs that everybody needs to take to help each other understand at least the base level thing that you're saying, which is we're humans. I don't think everybody even, I don't think anybody, I don't, I think most people would agree with you, but I think most people just haven't even heard that needing to be said. Like, I think there's just an ignorance to that idea that that's even the thing, you know, still. There's a huge ignorance problem. We have a lot of things. We as black people have a lot of things working against us. First of all, we got the media constantly Mm. portraying us as thugs, as whores, as violent, as, you know, just all these negative stereotypes, you know, um, I've, my hair is dreaded. I've had dreads for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. One thing I've dealt with constantly is discrimination because of my hair. They assume that I smoke weed. They assume that I'm difficult. They assume all these things. And really and truly, I just like everything natural. I like my natural hair. I like the way it grows out of my head. There's nothing wrong with my hair. I don't like fake hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my real hair just the way it is. And, and, People, but people don't see that. They look at me and they see something negative, and that's one. That's where one of the places where we can start because if we can change the narrative and and have honesty instead of these stereotypes, mm-hmm. then people may change their mind and, and see our lives as worth it. Because when we're constantly portrayed as violent, as mean, as like, because don't get me wrong, you, there are violent people mean people ignorant people mm-hmm. in the black race but that's in every race right but for some reason people think that black people are inherently bad which but there's no really real proof of that they just take the bad ones and be like look look at this one he's a criminal look at this one she's a whore look at the, then that's what and they, they put they put those bad ones in the forefront and so then everybody thinks we're all like that Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. So then they said in their minds, our life isn't worth it. So that's the first, that's one of the, that's, that's probably the make because everything that's done that, you know, the damage is done. has all been psychological. It's a subconscious attack. Mm-hmm. Like your subconscious, su- there's subliminal messages, messages that, that play on your subconscious and in the back. If you're constantly seeing black people do bad things constantly all the time and you're not seeing the good ones, then you're automatically going to think that black people are inherently bad, right. which is not true. Right. So that's one of the things. It has to be, you know, there has to be unlearning and relearning. 
there has to be justice. You know, we need we want the same fairness that anybody else would get mm-hmm. when there's a, a crime. If a black person is murdered, the person, whether they're white, black, Asian, and whatever, they should have they should get the same um, penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, like the 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 what's her name? The actress she sent. I know you're done. She, the Lori Laughlin. Yeah, she um, paid that money for the her kids to go to the school and lied and everything, and she pretty much got off. Well, she gets to like, choose she got, where she goes to prison. I think exactly. She got <laughs> slap on the wrist, and she's not going to be there for long. But there was a mother, she sent her children to school. It was a black mother. She sent her school. She lied about her address to send her school to uh, her kids to, to a night school in a different district. And she got, I think it was, I think it was 15 years. Something like that. Money talks. There's no fairness. Then there was an athlete. There was one athlete. That, it was a, a both college athletes, the, the white boy and the black boy. The white boy raped a girl behind a dumpster. And the, the judge decided to slap him on the wrist. The black boy raped a girl and was got a, a correct sentence that he should have gotten, but the white boy didn't get that sentence. Mm-hmm. He just got slapped on the wrist because the judge say, "Oh, well, what do you call it? Afflu affluence or something like affluenza, yeah, something like that." Affluenza, like, oh, yeah, it's the afflu the affluent defense, like something like yeah. I was too and rich so, to know that I was doing was exactly bad. that's what it was, and so there was no fairness. They both did the same crime. And that's another problem. Like we don't, we don't get fairness. We well, this don't. This is coming from. I mean, right now, especially in this country, where the president is somebody who claims affluenza on everything, like ev- or like everything is an attack on him. Everything is, and I think like right, especially right. The reason I'm asking these like questions, like let's keep this conversation with me and you, because. The minute we get outside that bubble, we have to deal with Donald Trump and we have to deal with crazies who are are feel like they're emboldened because, well, he believes a conspiracy theory about Kamala Harris's birthplace. So can I. It's like, like, we can't even like it doesn't there's crazy talk out there. So like I for me, one of the things like uh, I, I just want to ask you a question, like, do you when people say abolish the police, what is that when you hear that phrase, what does that mean to you? I don't think the police should abolish. I think to be about, I think they should be demilitarized. First of mm-hmm. all, I need all that for civilians. Then I think they need to be retrained because for some reason, they're not, they're in there somewhere in their training. They're being trained that if you see a black person, kill them. Like there's something in there. Like there, it, it has to be, there's no, again, there's no humility. Like, I just watched a footage of this white guy that killed two police officers. Mm-hmm. And the officers, he's resisting, they're like, get out of the car. And he's like resisting, whatever. If it was a black guy oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. resisted, he would have been dead. And that's just the truth, whether you like it or not, it's just what it is. He wouldn't have had a chance to fight back. As soon as he started to fight back or said, no, I'm not getting out the car, they would have lit him up with bullets. It's one of like, the. That- it's one of the things when I see this, like I was in Kenosha after um, uh, Jacob Jacob Blake uh, was shot, and they had their, the there were some protests, and that kid Kyle Rittenhouse showed up with that long gun, and I think yeah. to myself, like I, I I'm hard pressed, I would be hard pressed to believe anyone who thinks that let's put Kyle let's 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 say instead of Kyle Rittenhouse that was Trayvon Martin, 
Right. Like I would, I I really would love to sit with somebody for a very long time and talk to them if, and find out why they think, no, 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 it'd be the same thing. Like Trayvon, he has the right to do that. It's like, well, you're right. Technically, the Constitution allows Kyle Rittenhouse the same ability as it does Mecca Rose to put a gun on your chest and drive to, you know, drive to Kenosha with concert and walk down the street towards a tank. Like, and yes, technically, that's true. You both can do that. But we live in a world where there are weaknesses within, we're humans. People make decisions that are, like the people in that tank made a decision to let him go and offer him a bottle of water. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I just like, we can't say that we just can't say that the results would have been the same. And we would just know that that's true. It's like, yeah, yeah. the evidence doesn't bear that out really in terms of, and you and then, and you can't be surprised when people are taking to the streets. Like you can't be shocked when like, just put yourself in the position. Imagine if I'm here in Manchester, Connecticut, the cops kick my door down because they think I have drugs or whatever. They shoot me and my wife because I have a gun and I wake up and I'm in my underwear freaking out because people yeah. are screaming and yelling and, and there's flashbangs going off, I imagine, or whatever. And I shoot to defend my family. If the only thing that happened was my next door neighbor got his window replaced, like, the, and that's what the court system was like. It, we, we shoved it all through the, the extruder of the court system and what they pooped out was this guy's door drywall gets replaced. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I know I'm sort of being reductive here about like, yes, that hopefully that policeman does serve some sort of punishment, but it's like, you just can't be baffled as to why people are baffled. That's my, my point. Right. And then with the rise, you can't, you can't tell people how to be mad. Yes. Riots shouldn't end. Protests shouldn't end in riots, but arrests shouldn't end in death. So it's like you can't tell people how to be mad. People are, this is not new. This has been going on for a long time. So at some point, you got to expect some pushback. I expect people to get tired. I mean, yeah. that's what it is, you know? Well, let me, let me ask you the one of the things that, um, you know, again, when I think of my the times in my life I've been the most insecure about asking someone else about something from their culture that I maybe am just ignorant to. I think about when I was in college and high school and my, my friends that, you know, Cliff Alexis, who was an older gentleman from Trinidad, but like he was the one who taught me about like black barbershops, like the idea that, that, <laughs> that there even needed to be black barbershops versus white barbershops. And I, he took me there and sat me down and I would sat in that place for two hours while he got his hair cut for about six minutes of that two hours. And because Cliff didn't need a hair. I mean, he needed to get cleaned up, but it was a social moment. It was a way to talk about the news. It was the way to talk shit about your neighbor. It was all of the things that, that you do. Um, and then I sort of was like, Oh, crazy. Okay. And then six years ago, I met someone in, in Brooklyn who had this amazing weave and I didn't know what a weave was. I mean, I knew that I was like, okay, no one grows that naturally. That doesn't sprout out of someone's head naturally, <laughs> but can you talk to me? And like, she was like, oh yeah, it's woven in and that's why it's called a weave. And there's all these, and the hair comes mostly actually comes from India. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Like <laughs> and I'm learning all this stuff. Anyway, just like I kind of wonder, Mecca, like if you're if you're like, what is it? I don't know. Like, what are like? So let's step back from the the really intense stuff that I think is going to take four hundred years to figure out. Okay. And I want my like, I want my mom or my my uncle or my friend from high school who just because of where they were born, 
never come across a black person and are now being called a racist and all these other things in the in social media and in the news because of where they live. They're freaked out. They don't want to ask the question because they don't want to be called a racist. They don't want to be called a bigot or an ignorant white person, any of that stuff. Yeah. Like what, what, do, how, how, how would you feel comfortable? Well, I'm stumbling all over myself. Like, how would you feel comfortable having a discussion with a total stranger like myself? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you feel like that conversation can and should happen? Um, well, me, I, I don't mind the questions if it's, you know, because, cause like you, you, you care, you want to know you. Oh, cut out there for a second. Hang on. There you Hang go. On. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So <laughs> you care, you understand, you want to just understand you, your questions don't come out of they're not rude it's just you just want to understand so i don't mind that's it's the energy behind the question because i've had people um you know white people be like oh well how do you put this with my hair how do you put this in i'm like you don't i grow it it's one lady in particular and she's like you grow it i said this is my hair she's like really i'm like yeah it was longer at that point mm. and she's like i'm sorry I, I didn't know i don't want to sound ignorant but i didn't know black people's hair could grow that long mm-hmm. i'm like well how you know but she acts and it was the energy behind the question. It wasn't rude. It wasn't mean or anything. She just genuinely, genuinely wanted to know, mm-hmm. you know. And so I don't mind the questions because because it is it, it gives a it gives an understanding. So anything you want, any black girl questions you want to ask me, go ahead and ask me. I'll answer. Oh well, no. Okay. Well, let me ask you that. I'm going to ask something that I have I have heard. Um, you know, I hear other. My observation on the outside is I see. Mostly men, but I would say, like, um, friends, you know, I see a lot of shit talking about skin being ashy. Mm. And, like, there, and it's done and often done in jest. And sometimes it can get, it's a signal of something or it's a sign of something. I don't understand. Like, can I just ask you, like, what, what is that? What is happening? Why? And what, like, in the culture, what is that? A, what is happening when someone says, hey, your skin is ashy or there? Or why is that? Why is that an issue? If you don't mind, like they're, they're, I just said that, and my heart rate jumped through the roof. So please, Mecca, no snakes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know, Dave Chappelle jokes about it a lot. Like, there's a lot of skits that reference ashy skin. But I think for somebody like me coming from Ohio, that's not a th- well, at least in my part of Ohio in a cornfield, like that's not something that ever came up when I was growing up. And so when I heard that, I was like, what? Like, what are you? T- what are you talking about? <laughs> it's about self care. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta moisturize your skin. Like. Ash really show like when we get ash like you really can see it and it's it's not it doesn't look good you know, um, so it's just kind of like you use it to make fun of somebody like just kind of poke jokes at somebody but it's it's mostly like you don't want to be seen ashy because mm-hmm. it looks like you don't take care of yourself. But is it a is I'm sorry just like a just like medically speaking is it is there something in the amount of melanin in the skin is there something about it that causes like needing more, like what? I mean, there's, it's not a medical condition or it just means you just need some lotion pretty much. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. okay. I've never seen white people get ashy. So I don't know. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. I, I, we have eczema and there's, there's like, there's things that, you know, there's things that white people deal with skin wise. Like my wife is constantly putting lotion on her, on her skin all the time. But 
the term ashy is never anything I've ever heard any white person ever say. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think Sorry. it's mostly a black people thing. It's just, it's just moisture. You take care of your skin. Like it's, it's, it's just, it means you need to take care of yourself. It's like, if your skin is ashy, it just looks like you don't take care of yourself. Mm. It's not a medical condition. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's dry. It just needs, you know, it's not, nothing. It's, it's not a, it's not problematic. There's nothing wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. there are levels of ash. Like if your if your skin is like really really ashy, like you're not getting enough water. Mm. Um, but you know, if you if I take a shower and get out the shower and don't put on any lotion, then I'm gonna get ashy. It's gonna look white, and stuff. It's just okay. It's just um, it's just healthy. You gotta keep your health, your skin healthy. Don't be ashy. You know, keep your skin healthy looking. Well, let me now open the, I mean, listen, you, you have, I am not aware that you live in a world that is driven by white people. So like you, you experience my culture, I think more than white people experience yours, but do you want to ask any dumb white people questions? Is there anything that's been bothering you about like, <laughs> is there anything I can help, help shed some light on? <laughs> um, no, not really. I mean, I see you guys all the time. So I don't really What's that? What's that? I see you guys all the time, so I don't really have questions. <laughs> so like, well, but that's I mean, my point. You know, I think it's good that people hear that. Is that it's, a, it's a Eurocentric world. That's yeah. what we live in. That's what it is. And so I don't really, like, I pretty much, I just, the, my only concern, right, is, like, why is it that white people feel so threatened when they see black people? That's one thing I just don't understand. Well, you know, yeah. I feel like there's like a, 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 a certain level of, of, of fear, for lack of a better word, or caution when it when a white people a white person sees a black person and, and then you know they feel like they need to code switch and, and try to start talking like you're black or whatever. Kinda. Oh. I never understood that. I've never yeah, I I haven't felt that I, I will say that when I spend a lot of time in the Caribbean community, like around carnival time, like in um either over the Labor Day weekend or in Trinidad, I will find myself picking up slang. Like, you know, saying, like, instead of saying good evening, I'll say good night. Like, that's a, that's a thing in the Caribbean community that is different than, than the white community. Um, or good day, things like that. That I slip into way quick. I mean, I don't take on an accent, but I, but I find myself subconsciously saying good day or good night rather than, hey, everybody, you know, like, which is what yeah. I do normally. Um, but sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. I'm sorry, Mecca. Um, but yeah, just the code switching thing is is one that like I I don't understand it either. Oh, here's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I there is a there's a fear I think that is built in. I think a lot of it is, but I think it's baked in because of the news, like you said, because of shows like Cops. You go on, you know. But then also like there are you know this the show like um, Jerry Springer. Like I grew up on that show. That one basically. That was like cops, but for white trash. Yeah. Like that show, when I watched that show, I was like, oh, that's, I know all these people. Like, <laughs> this is who I grew up with, you know, like, and it, but it was like cartoons of those people. Like, that's what that show did. So I under, like, so when somebody was like, you realize that cops gives people a bad image of black people. And I'm like, oh yeah, Jerry Springer did the same thing for, for, for poor white people. Just yeah. cops was on, you know, anyway, it's like the news does create a lot of that, but I actually wonder if some of it is like, you know, there's this study, I don't know what exactly what it's called, but it's like the genetic trauma that gets passed down 
generation to generation. There's reasons yeah. why, you know, um, certain populations of people avoid certain things and, and or have whatever. It's because you pass this stuff down. I think yeah. white people, like, listen, 400 years ago, this all, you know, we, we, our DNA started collecting this idea of this being a reality of we can go and buy people and bring them over here. And when they die, we can go buy more. Like that's in there. That's in the soup, right? Whether we like yeah. it, whether I, whether I like it or not, it's somewhere in the soup of white people. Um, then as time goes on, you, the other, the other part of the DNA where it gets affected is now we freed slaves and everybody's pissed at us and they want to kill us. Holy shit. Like, yeah, you have uprisings, you have riots, you have like this tension in society gets baked in that person's DNA and then they pass it on. I don't think, I think most people, yes, there's assholes in the world that really genuinely are like, nope, the N word should be around. I have the right to say it and they should be subjugated. Those absolutely exist. But I think the vast majority of people are just like, I don't know why I'm afraid, but I am like, like, this isn't real what I'm feeling, but it's there. It's funny because black people, like, we don't want to destroy y'all. We just want y'all to stop fucking us over. Right. Pretty much. That's pretty much all it is, like, coming down to. Like, we're not trying to, you know what? We're not trying to bring y'all any harm. We just want to be equal and in fairness and justice and things that you mm-hmm. guys get to have that every human being should have. We don't, we're not seeking out to destroy you guys or anything like that. And that's the thing about it, like, when you see that fear, like if I'm, if I see a, a white person and I see that, and I notice that, because you can pick up on that kind of mm-hmm. thing, they act differently to it, and I'm like, why are you this way? We've never shown that we wanted to retaliate. We just want y'all to stop, you know. But yeah. it's getting to that point where they, where black people are like, okay, now it's time to retaliate because y'all won't stop, and that's what it's come, that's what it's getting to. Mm-hmm. But it's never really been that. It's just like, hey leave us alone. Mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why the confusion is like, why, why, but we don't understand where that fear comes from because we just, we just want fairness. Yeah. I don't, I, mean, I guess I, what I'm saying is I agree with you. I think I don't know. I wish I knew exactly what it was that I could say to kids I went to high school with or, you know, friends of mine who say something that doesn't understand or isn't taking into account the 15, you know, all of the things going into what's happening into this big messy cake that we're currently baking in. Like I wish there, I knew what the answer was confrontation and, and, and screaming at somebody in my experience has very rarely changed a mind. What I know it's changed mine. I know what's changed my worldview. It wasn't somebody calling me a piece of shit. It was somebody being like, sit over here and shut up. (laughs) You know, just watch this for two seconds. You don't need to feel anything other than observe. Um, you know, Shelly George telling me about what a weave was was another thing of like her being honest with me and just telling me all the details of what's going in. It's like, oh, my actually my level of respect for people who have elaborate weaves, Mecca, actually like quadrupled after I spoke with Shelly because I was like, holy crap, you sit in that chair for how long? So you were there for six hours? Like, there's nothing in my life I sit anywhere for six hours for, you know? And I was like, well, listen, I see that again. Hats off to you. That's, you know, commitment. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that. I, I used to wear weaves. I, I was, that was a long time ago. But mm-hmm. 
I understand the mentality behind it. I don't like fake hair. Mm. And one thing a lot of people doesn't a lot of people don't know is the history behind that. For years, like black women hair has been regulated in America. So you show it, you can't show it, you gotta do mm-hmm. this, you got like and then there was Madam CJ Walker who invented, you know, the hair products for black women like straightening hair and things like that. And it's just it was all a result of um like the, you see the weaves and the, the, the wigs and things like that, the lace fronts. It's all about achieving that European standard of beauty mm. that's not natural for us. But because the world sees that European standard of beauty as just as universal, it's a, a way of achieving that. And in, in, in turn, it's kind of suggesting that an African standard of beauty is not beauty. Right. You know, dark skin is not considered beautiful kinky hair is not considered beautiful mm-hmm. so you know it's it's subconsciously because a lot of a lot of women who wear weaves and stuff will, are ashamed to wear their real hair in public mm-hmm. and it comes from that years and years of centuries of not centuries but you know decades of sure, yeah. being passed out of that passed on for generation generation like you got to straighten your hair you got to straighten your hair if you and want the job, if you want to get the job, if you want to get the promotion, your hair's exactly. got to look like the boss's wife, not like, you know. Exactly. When I started my dress, my dad was pissed off because I wasn't putting relaxers anymore. He was like, why would you want that? When I started dress 20 years ago, he was like, why would you want that? Ugh, pop head, this, this. And a lot of the hate I was getting was coming from black people, unfortunately, because there's that that stigma, that thing that's been passed down that, hey, your real hair isn't good enough. Mm. So that's where that the, the mentality behind the weaves and stuff comes from. Mm. Trying to achieve that standard of beauty that's not ours, basically. Well, the, the my my point in bringing that up was just the like I think if the people I know who don't know black people at all, the one thing I can say is like these are people who respect hard work, who like take pride in their lawns. They'll spend six hours cultivating a garden. And, like, uh-huh. you, I think if we can figure out a way to, like, make people understand, like, listen, when you, we need to understand that when somebody is putting care and passion into something, whether it be a hair weave, whether it be your natural hair, whether it be food, like, like, whether it be a steel band, whether it be a DJ set, like, we have yeah. to get better at being like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, the thing I see in Mecca, I don't understand X, Y, and Z, but I see someone who is clearly working hard at something in the way I do like and if I I feel like if we can find that common ground more often then when you have the heart then then people aren't coming to you like um with any sort of like more of their bullshit is stripped away because you have they're they're starting with a thing of like oh yeah you guys rehearse steel bands for you know nine hours straight like I know what a nine hour work day is I can relate to that you know and yeah you know, I don't know. I but I could be wrong, Mecca. Who knows? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, you you have a very valid point there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, people just have to be able to to um not be judgmental and kind of be open minded. Yeah, when it comes down. To well, let's yeah. do. Th- let me do this. I I gotta get my head around this class. I'm I'm, I'm coming up on teaching here, and Mecca. I again. I this is my door is always open and there's no pressure to come on and chat, but I, I find these illuminating and just really my blood pressure comes way down when I get off of social media and I hear everybody saying what everybody should be talking about. And then I have a real conversation and I'm like, 
oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what this is. This is what I should be doing, <laughs> you know. Um, and I wonder, I wonder, Mecca, if like we could challenge each other, maybe for like in the next six months. So we're gonna pretend that we're all still here after the election, and nobody's, we haven't moved out of the country yet. Um, yeah. But I wonder if we could do like you. We do one where you introduce me to some total stranger that from your from your friend group that I don't like. We have to start talking and building larger friend groups, and then I'll do the same. I'll invite one of my high school buddies who I know you'll like. But who has never met anyone from another place? Let's do that. I love it. I love it because it gives, it brings an understanding, and that's. Oh, you're getting a call. People keep calling. You're a popular <laughs> woman, Mecca. You're a popular woman. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that idea. It brings an understanding, and I think it's a wonderful thing. So I think we should definitely do it next time. I have Oogie. I think Oogie won't be so. Uh, ir- That's what Oogie, Oogie didn't eat. He's um, supposed to have his rat today. Well, I would feel yeah, honestly. Next time, next time we'll have Oogie fed and ready to go. I'll feel very <laughs> intimidated if the very first thing in a podcast is is a is a, a ball python devouring a a baby mouse. I feel like that's a that's a solid way to start a podcast. <laughs> I'll feed him ahead of time, and then I'll make sure he's like good and satisfied, and not. Cranky, he wants to eat. That's what it is. I just realized it's Thursday. Oh, well, go feed him. Um, Mecca, this was really great. I, I really appreciate you. I'm sorry I'm so rambly sometimes, but this is it's really nice to catch up with you, and I'll look forward to seeing you again on Facebook. Um, uh, until then, I hope you stay safe and stay healthy, and and um, I'll look forward to chatting again. Always great talking to you. I, I love these conversations, and, and we need more of these. We need more of these open dialogues. So I'm always glad to do it. My schedule has been so hectic because I've been working extra hours and I've, I mean, I, my last check had like a hundred hours. On it, so okay. I've been working a lot of hours and, you know, I haven't had the time been as available lately, but I'm always glad to do this. So well, get some rest and watch. There's a, there's a great show called Lovecraft country that was made by the same Purdue Jordan Peele um, from get out and um, us. It's an amazing show. So you should like make some popcorn, shut off your phones and just, Take some mecha time, watch a good show, and um, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope all that happens. So stay safe, and I'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. I look forward to you. Be safe as well. Always right. a pleasure. Thanks, mecha. Bye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast was brought to you by Liquid Drum. LiquidDrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Check it out. Hilarious percussion videos, awesome educational content, brand new snare drum book, method book out. Check it out. You won't regret it. LiquidDrum.com. Also, DunleavyPans.com. D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y Pans.com. Um, Kyle builds and tunes all the steel drums I play on at NYU in Princeton and in So Percussion. And personally, uh, check them out. He's an amazing tuner and builder and a really nice guy. DunleavyPans.com. Also, PanInMotion.com. A bunch of my friends down there started an organization called Pan In Motion. Uh, they are a great advocacy organization for the steel pan as an art form, as a culture, but in specifically, in specific, what it does in the Brooklyn uh, arts and culture scene. So check them out, PanInMotion.com. And finally, MangoChowClothing.com. Aliandre Mirage runs an amazing clothing company that's um, heavily influenced by the steel pan and its culture. Check them out, mangochowclothing.com. All right, hope you're all well. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.